This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, July 28, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. With labor markets and supply chains rattled by pandemic, how has Whole Foods weathered the changes? Last week, I spoke with John Mackey, Whole Foods CEO, about how the pandemic has changed his business and what this strange event means for retail going forward. How has Whole Foods weathered this pandemic? The pandemic, of course, has been difficult for everyone. It's been difficult for food retailers. I mean, we've had to sterilize everything and social distance and mask and and that went on for a long time and uh but of course we were also an essential business so we had a lot of uh our business actually increased during the pandemic and we because amazon put such an emphasis on home delivery that we really saw that part of our business significantly grow and uh, but we had to shut down our prepared foods. We had our prepared foods drop initially over seventy five percent, but that was made up by very large increases in our in our grocery produce, meat, and seafood sales. Uh, and I might add uh, beer and wine sales too. Yeah, and with the uh, with Amazon in the uh, Whole Foods business, you had a transition already to delivery that was uh, underway. Yeah, from the first day that. Our deal closed. They put a real emphasis on scaling up delivery, so that ended up being present in terms of we. I can't say we were ready for it when COVID happened because our sales we had such an increase in sales to delivery that we we couldn't handle it initially. We didn't have enough. We didn't have enough people working on delivery. We didn't have enough drivers. We didn't have enough pickers. We didn't have. Um, the, the systems themselves could not handle the order loads that were coming in, but but uh, Amazon has a lot of resources. They threw the resources at it, and we fairly quickly, within a couple of months, got up to got up to speed. What would surprise people about how your supply chains were altered? Well, of course, everybody knows the story that hand sanitizers and toilet paper were quickly out of stock, but. We had, again, our prepared foods is a big part of Whole Foods Market's business. And they, I mean, our salad bars and our hot bars and all our self-service venues, those were, those were closed down. And the offices were closed down. So we, we, a lot of the lunchtime traffic that we were used to getting just disappeared. I kept reading articles about how uh, Whole Foods traffic counts are down, so the business must be way down. And uh, traffic counts were down is true because we weren't getting that lunchtime trade, but we were getting huge baskets and the, the delivery went way up. So overall our sales went up significantly during this downturn, despite how the media tended to report it. Uh, since they're always looking for bad news about Amazon, they could make a big deal out of. And, but the, bad, the news wasn't bad there. It was just hard on our team members to be, uh, they were, you know, they were scared like everybody and until the vaccinations came along and now, now we're beginning to return to normalcy, meaning we don't have these loads of, we used to have, a lot of cities would limit the number of people who could have our store at one time so everybody could social distance. So people would be queued up trying to get into our stores and that was, that's never happened before. That was very bizarre. 
And they had this, this amount of money we spent on sanitation of everything in our stores, the grocery carts, for example, and the cash registers was was very time consuming, very expensive. Uh, and it's yeah, it's good that we're that's passing now. I would like to say it's passed. I thought it was passed, but now we see for reasons I don't understand. Uh, people have stopped getting vaccinations, or that's really slowed down, and we we uh, we're seeing these variants come out and. Uh, Cities like L.A. are requiring mask wearing again indoors. And so um, just when I thought we were done with it, um, we're not. I was about to ask, as we hope or hoped a month ago <laughs> that we were uh, coming out of this and uh, w- it was going to be relatively smooth sailing from here on out. In watching the employment picture in the United States and the, you know, the needs that a place like Whole Foods has, has that, has that been a stress and, and what do you attribute it to? Yeah, it's labor markets are very, very tight. It's very peculiar because unemployment rates are not low, but finding people to work is very difficult. And there's a lot of competition for people that will work. So we're understaffed and, uh, Pay, pay rates are going up. Trying to you're you're competing to get workers. What do I attribute it to? I attribute it to all this government money sloshing around in people's pockets, and they're not needing to work, so they're not. And as a result, um, we have the paradox of relatively high unemployment rates, but workers being very scarce. So, uh, but I I could be wrong about it, but that's what I attribute it to. Going forward uh, within the business, is there anything that is permanently going to change? I always thought that the prepared foods like food bars and that sort of thing might just go away. No, we've reopened those uh, and they're doing pretty well, but they won't return to their former uh, sales volumes until offices widely open up. And that will probably occur this fall because a lot of people are still not opening their offices. And they may never get their offices back to quite where it was because a lot of people will continue to work some days of the week remotely or on Zoom. and um, So we may not have that same density of people. But we've, we've had a call back to office at Whole Foods in, our, in Austin. We, we're only requiring people to be in the office a couple of days of the week right now. But people are excited to be back, even though some people are scared. Uh, it's amazing how frightened everybody is, or so many people are frightened. It's, uh, um, I have a different perspective. I mean, I did, of course I got vaccinated, uh, but in general, I just think risk is part of life and viruses are, we've been co-evolving with viruses our entire existences as human beings. And before we were, before we'd have gotten to the human being stage. So uh, we can, you cannot hide from viruses and they're still going to be waiting for you when you come out of hiding. They don't go away. So then you might be weaker in the process. You will. And that's one of the interesting things is that our immune systems need challenge. And I've been reading recently about children now are getting very sick because they've been hidden away for a year or so. A lot of them haven't been in schools and they haven't had their immune systems face the rough and tumble viruses and bacteria and fungi that have co-evolved with us. Apparently, we sort of need to have those things in our lives to a certain extent. So uh, it's a very bizarre time. There's no doubt I've never in my my long life, I've never experienced anything like this in my lifetime. 
I can remember when I was a very little boy before the polio vaccination had actually been invented. And I remember in the summers, these polio panics would occur. I grew up in Houston where mothers would lock the kids indoors and swimming pools would be closed. People were just terrified. And I had I had people I went to school with that got polio that had the shrunken legs and the shrunken arms and, and some that died. So um, this is the most fear I've seen since those polio days, except it's it's everywhere, not just in a localized area. Yeah. Given that fear, do you think retail is going to be fundamentally altered by this event? I think it's accelerated more online shopping and a lot of people have changed their habits and they'll continue to buy more things online. Um, I don't think food retailing will fundamentally change because the truth is, is that picking and delivering for people is quite expensive. It's being subsidized right now. It's not in a way that it's pay for itself. And eventually markets will be putting fees onto the, on the delivery and they won't be subsidizing it. And, uh, the, the people that some people, a small percentage of people will don't care what the delivery costs. They value their time higher than they value actually uh, uh, their money. So time's more valuable than their money so that they will continue to get a lot more deliveries. But other folks will drift back into shopping for food in the stores. Lots of other things, though. People have gotten used to buying things online at Amazon and other, and other online retailers. And I think some of that will be a permanent loss, meaning people's habits have changed and they won't necessarily change back. But I mean, restaurants are going to fully return and movie theaters will as well when people begin to feel safe again, because people like, people like going out. They, they want to be with other people, but people, they don't want to hide away in their homes all the time. I, I really think people think there's going to be some lasting change. This is, I believe we're mistaken. I believe that we will, that the same things that drove people to go to restaurants before or go to bars before or go to movie theaters before or Broadway plays, as soon as people feel safe, they're going to go back to doing all those activities because it's part of what makes life uh, worth living. I will say this. Um, for my son's birthday, he's three, uh, recently we gave him a cupcake on which to blow out a candle <laughs> rather than a whole cake. Does that mean that he didn't have a party is what you're saying. No, we did have a party. Yeah, that's the funny thing. We did have, we went ahead and had a party for him. Well, it's probably healthier for those other children not to get a big piece of cake, but how did that one cupcake get divided by, with other children? No, we just gave him the one cupcake and then we, everybody else got regular cake. <laughs> so there was another cake. Yes, that's right. I, that, I, that did not have my son blowing on it. Oh, I see. I know. I understand. But what we know about this virus is that it's, it's a virus that you need to breathe in. It's, 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 a, it's airborne. Um, all the paranoia about touching things was turned out to be unnecessary. Let me ask you a related oh, question then. A whole lot of what I have seen as response from businesses uh, to the pandemic has seemed like a good faith effort to comply with the law rather than attempting to behave in a way that was consistent with available knowledge at the time. Yeah, I th I call a lot of behavior is is like a like a totem. It's like a uh, a superstitious ritual that people do to help them. People are scared and so they 
they do something ritualistically that helps them feel safer. Um, and it's not, it's the same thing about that might be from doing a rain dance or um, not walking under a ladder or throwing, knocking on wood. And it's a totem, it's a little thing that we do. And I think, I think that's true of most mask wearing. Because I think if you're just wearing a cloth mask, it's providing very little protection for you or anyone else. Maybe if you have an N95 mask on, but if you ever wear one of those things, there you can't breathe. It's 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 most people aren't willing to do that. So there's there's a lot of um just sort of ritualistic behavior to help people feel safer because people are so so many people are so scared in the business world. They don't necessarily care which what's driving the concern. They just want to address it. Well, and business has to respond to markets as they find them. Uh, if if most of your employees are scared, you you try to you do what you can to make them less afraid. Or if your customers are making demands, there's also the a lot of scolding that goes on if when you because people want to tell other people what to do. So it's it's amazing how quickly fundamental liberties went away. Uh, and uh, they've been much slower to return than I would have expected them to be. What's the role of the private sector in assuring that customers uh, are confident that everyone that they're sharing space with has been vaccinated? I don't know. That's a very difficult one. The main thing is to get vaccinated yourself and then go about living your life again. And the virus is going to be here. And it's, it's, it's just not going to go away. It's going to mutate. It's going to do what all viruses do. And our, and our bodies will eventually adapt to it. And generations from now, COVID will just be a, another virus that people have, a com- have come into contact with. Just like the flu virus. I mean, I haven't had the flu in 30 years, but uh, totem, knock on wood. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm not exposed to it. It just means my immune system recognizes and deals with it. And I think one of the major takeaways is how important it is to keep yourself healthy, keep your immune system strong. And one of the things that was not has not been well reported on this particular virus because it's it's not very politically correct is how many people that are, I mean, the statistics I've read say like 80% of the, the deaths from COVID have been for people over 65 and Gosh, almost all of them had underlying health conditions. It's a very high percentage, and well into the 90s had underlying health conditions of, of diabetes. I think 40% of the deaths, people had diabetes or heart disease or just obesity and just uh, compromised immune systems that were unable to deal with the virus. So the takeaway is to get healthier. And I found it very interesting is people kind of went one of two ways. Uh, during the this COVID lockdown period, some people said, "I'm going to get super healthy, so I can, I can." And they they got out, they exercised more, and they walked more, and they they ate better, and they got they got healthier. But a very high percentage of people, I think, I read that the average American gained about 27 pounds during the COVID period, and we were already as Americans are 70 percent overweight and 42 and a half percent obese, and I, I that's before COVID, so. I don't know what it is now. I'm sure it's much worse. So I, mean, I guess I, it's it's a shame because um, that's just making us more vulnerable to this disease. And we should get it. be trying to get ourselves a lot healthier. That's what I decided to do. 
John Mackey is the CEO of Whole Foods Market. We spoke last week. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.